I'm Paul Levinson, and welcome to Light On, Light Through, episode 340, a roundtable discussion of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Well, Captain Phil convened a roundtable last night. I guess he went out and bought a round table. No, he invited five people to join him in a discussion of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Mary Beth Rakowski, Michael Rizzo, Roy Belquist, Colleen Bement, and me. And we talked for about two hours and had a lot of fun, and there were a lot of different viewpoints about that series and about Star Trek in general. So, without further ado, here is our conversation. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Hello. Hello, Captain Phil. Welcome to uh, WUSB Stony Brook, guys. I just played you into the theme to Strange New Worlds. So let's let's go. Uh, here's what we're going to do tonight. Well, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to put on some background music. Okay. So there we go. There's a little background music. And what we're going to do tonight is we're going to talk about the first season of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. My guests are Paul Levinson, Colleen Bennett, Michael Rizzo, Mary Beth Rakowski, and hopefully at some point, uh, Roy Belquist. Has Roy shown up yet, Mary Beth? Not yet. Well, all right, so he's still on his on his little uh, thing there. We're going to start off uh, and give, give out our credits first. So I'm going to start with Colleen and just uh, give us your links and what you do and, uh, and, you know, in terms of like where people can find you. I know you still do Nerd Alert News, uh, Colleen, stuff like that. So we're going to go around the room and do that. So uh, go ahead, Colleen. Tell us about... Thanks, Bill. Your Thanks for having world. me on. A pleasure. So, yeah, I'm, I'm Colleen. I am the editor of Nerd Alert News, and you can find us at nerdalertnews.net. And we are just a hotspot of all things nerdy and pop culture. We have celebrity interviews, movie reviews, book reviews, uh, we have some convention coverage, just whatever pops up. And we are definitely Trek fans. And I really appreciate you having me on so we can talk about uh, strange new worlds. Paul Levinson, give us your credits, my friend. Well, first of all, great to be here. Uh, I wear a whole bunch of hats because I don't have too much hair. As a science fiction writer, my two best known novels are The Silk Code and The Plot to Save Socrates. I'm currently turning one of my short stories, It's Real Life, into a novel, and it's being made into a radio play. My nonfiction books have sold more than my science fiction books. I don't know what that says about either one. And last but not least, 
because I like to talk so much. I'm also a professor of communication and media studies at Fordham University. And I will say I'm also a great advocate of space exploration. And one of the things which kindled my love of that was watching Star Trek back in the 1960s. Fantastic. Uh, Michael Rizzo, give us your, your street creds, my man. I don't know if I have much street cred I have, but uh, <laughs> we uh, run a uh, one a weekly uh, live uh, broadcast called Sci-Fi Distilled, uh, with, and I do it with Mary Beth, my partner there, um, and we talk about anything science fiction, television, movies uh, from the 80s, 90s to current, uh, and, and that's, that's our cred, uh, I guess. So that and the fact that we both volunteer at the Star Trek original series set tour, in Ticonderoga, New York. So we are Star Trek fans uh, through and through. And you can go to uh, those set tours by looking up StarTrekTours.com. I believe uh, there is a captain on his way, Michael. There is. Yes. The captain, the one and only captain, Bill Shatner, will be there uh, again in November. And Mary Beth knows the exact dates because she knows that stuff. And Mary Beth, now it's that's why we saved you for the last, so you can give your street creds now, my friend. Yeah, so my street creds are I am the co-host with Rizzo of Sci-Fi Distilled, talking all things science and geeky and nerdy uh, from the 80s, 90s, and right up to the current day. But I am also one of the many volunteers that works on events up at the Star Trek set tour. I am the event manager. If you email us, I'm the one you'll be talking to. And the Mr. William Shatner, the captain himself, will be joining us November 18 and 19. And yes, you can still get tickets for that at StarTrekTour.com. Fantastic. So what we're going to do is we're going to go around the room briefly. Uh, we'll start with Colleen because Colleen's the newbie of this group. And uh, Colleen, what we're going to do is we're just going to briefly talk about uh, in under you know three to five minutes the things you love, uh, the, the, you know, about Strange New Worlds, or maybe you there are things you don't love so much. So uh, just give us like a, a basic outline of, of what it is about this show that has got your attention and, and what do you think of it. So go ahead, Colleen. You're on the air. Thanks, Captain Phil. Hey, I'm just going to call you Captain Phil because I like it so much better than Phil. <laughs> so, well, because you, you are my captain. So, Phil... Strange New World, uh, what I love about it is it's fresh. It's it's different. It's different than the other versions of Trek that we've had. And I enjoy them all. It's But, but Strange New World is just, it, it, to me, it feels like it's taking me back to TOS, like the original series. I feel like I'm sucked back in time, except with it being new and... Um, just so well done, it, the, the effects, the writing, the actors are amazing. Um, it, I, I got started kind of late on it. I didn't start it till like partway through August and I blazed through it and I was left craving more. It, it's just, it, it, and it's not just me. I talked to so many people that absolutely love the show. They say, this is what the, the Star Trek all these, these, uh, uh, all these new Trek versions. It's what it should have been all along. Is that they are there? Everyone is loving it that much. My readers love it, and everyone I talk to at conventions love it. I haven't talked to anyone 
who has any complaints about it. So I can't tell you anything I don't love about it. I, I love the acting. I love the stories. I have cried at at least twice. Wow. Already. Wow. I mean, the show is so well done. That's my take. I'd love to hear all of your takes. Well, we're going to go to uh, Paul Evanson now. Uh, Paul, uh, we had you know we had done the discussion on Star Trek Picard, um, and you know it wasn't one of my favorites, but that's where we came up with the idea where uh, we really need to do one of these discussions for Strange New Worlds, which is something we've all are, been been basically enjoying. So, Paul, your take briefly uh, in in the vein of what uh, Colleen, uh, Colleen has done. Well, I agree with everything Colleen said. And as far as what you are doing with Star Trek, don't do one on Discovery because <laughs> I, I'm not enjoying that at all. In fact, I stopped watching it. Uh, but I think Strange New Worlds is absolutely superb for a whole bunch of reasons. First of all, just the character of uh, Pike is is so historically pertinent to Star Trek, to everything that has happened in Star Trek, because obviously, uh, a la the Menagerie, it was there at the very beginning, even before Kirk. And it was our first introduction to Spock, a, a slightly younger version, of course, also played by Leonard Nimoy. So uh, the character of Christopher Pike, even if it was poorly played, would be of great interest. But I think that Anson Mount is a wonderful actor. I enjoyed his performance and uh, I forget the name, but he did some kind of series about uh, the, the the first cross-continental train. Hell on Wheels. Yeah, yeah, Hell on Wheels, right. And I think he does a superb job in this. And, I'll, and here I'll say something which I know is going to outrage a lot of people. I, I think that he... Uh, this Christopher Pike character is a little better than Picard and is right up there with Kirk. And uh, we'll see how this series goes, but he, he's that powerful a character. So that's one of the reasons I love Strange New Worlds. Another reason, uh, which is actually also about Pike, but it's a very specific thing, is it's a wonderful dramatic plot feature to, to have someone who knows what his end will be and then struggle to like live through that. I mean, I, I can't imagine being in a situation like that. And I think that the writing and again, the acting really brings that home. The other thing I really love uh, about Strange New Worlds is Spock. I think this young Spock is doing a great job. Uh, he, he, I can easily believe him evolving into Leonard Nimoy's Spock. And arguably Spock is, he might be the most important character in all of the Star Treks. He's certainly way, way high up there in the top two or three. So that's a lot of good things about uh, Strange New Worlds. And like Colleen, I have nothing bad to say about it. And believe me, I, I have bad things to say about other Star Treks as I said about Discovery. So I'm not just some pushover who loves every Star Trek. I think Strange New Worlds, the first season is a masterpiece, and I'm looking forward to the second season. As we're going along here, I want to welcome Roy Belquist uh, to the show. And you can unmute yourself, Roy. We're, what we're doing right now is we're going through just a basic 
uh, you know, initial impressions on Star Trek Strange New Worlds. We're halfway down the list. We talked to Colleen. We talked to Paul. We're going to go to Rizzo now. Then we're going to Mary, but then we'll go to you, Roy. Okay. And uh, yeah, so welcome to the air, Roy Belquist, Roy's tie dye sci fi. Thanks, Captain Phil. Welcome, everybody. Hope everyone's doing well. All right, Rizzo, you're on the mic. Uh, how do you feel about the show? Are, is it a love fest for you, too? No, unfortunately. Oh, it is it. not a love fest for me. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't love it. I don't dislike it. I like the show. Um, I don't love it. This is my. This is what I would say to Kurtzman. Um, I, I'd said, like, you're a poor marksman. You keep missing the target. Um <laughs> I think I had high hopes for this, especially after, and we won't talk about Discovery and other ones, but I had high hopes. I love Anson Mount. I love Rebecca Romaine. I think those the casting was well done. What bothers me about the show is why they have to keep messing with canon, and they seem to just do it randomly and without really any real need uh, to do it. Um, I think that's what bothers me. I'm an old, crusty Star Trek original series. But, you know, I also am a fan of what I call the golden age of Star Trek being TNG and DS9 and and, and in Voyager to some degree, uh, much as I dislike that show. But <clears throat> what I find uh, good about the show is I like the fact they got back to episodic, that we're not going to the story arcs uh, across the season. I think that's a that's a huge improvement. Uh, I liked Anson Mount as Pike. I think he makes he's a great Pike. I don't know if he's rivaling Kirk, but you know, well, that's another. That's we can discuss that some more. Um, but I think where where I have my issues with, and I love, I think Ethan Peck does a great job as Spock. Uh, I, is bringing in some of the TOS characters that I didn't think to uh, Nurse Chapel for one. Um, I don't have a problem with the actress and I don't even have a problem with the actress, the way she plays, but it's not Nurse Chapel to me. I don't know where they came up with this character. It doesn't fit anything we've kind of established as Nurse Chapel. The other thing is uh, Dr. Mabenga. I don't know. That does not fit the timeline at all of how he came from TOS and now how he he's chief medical officer, but then he's like an internist on TOS. Again, timeline. So the only way I can make any sense of this is that they took a page from the comic books and this is all multiverse so this is a different verse universe than our tos is the only way it even fits um other niggles things i have are are on the production design i love the i love the exterior what they did with the enterprise i think that's great i think it looks great um the interior i think they kind of again missed the mark it's too big captain pike has this I don't know what it is like. It's like the bridal suite at the Ritz or something with a fireplace. And I mean, it, it just doesn't fit as a as a spaceship. It's not working for me as far as the space that they use. It's, I would think someone who is a, uh, a, a someone who was in the service and in a, in a in a in a marine service, every little space on a ship is used. You don't have any wasted space like they do on the Enterprise. It's just this massive useless space of everywhere so these are the little niggly things but i don't want to trash it i'm not trashing it completely because i think overall i think it's the best one they've come out with so far i i think what i'd like to see them do is stop screwing around with canon um and just come up with new shows like for instance we talk we're going to talk about the gorn which is a very common big thread in this series um why they needed to use and then retcon the the gorn uh instead of just coming up with a new species that we had never heard of and then you could do whatever you want with it 
but instead you took a really well-known and well kind of beloved you know even though it was only the one episode uh of of, of a species and you kind of completely retconned it into something that it really wasn't um so this is what i don't understand what's going on in the writer's room when they're coming up with this stuff um i don't know if they're they're just purposely just doing whatever they want because they want to but uh overall like i say i think there's some great episodes in here i think there's some really weak episodes uh i'm looking forward to season two i really hope that they kind of maybe correct some of the stuff a little bit and we'll see what they do but i like right now i say i like it i don't love it no and uh and absolutely dissenting views are welcome you know it, it leads to discussion and illumination and infinite diversity and infinite combinations of course so mary beth you're on deck yeah, I, I think I have to say I agree with Rizzo as far as plot lines go. We, we've yet to go anywhere strange and we've yet to go anywhere new. We are boldly going where we've already been before. We've been there. Not only are we going back to the Gorn, but we're going to the Gorn and the movie Alien all in one go. Well, I was going to get we're, to that. <laughs> we're going, yeah, exactly. We're, we're, and they also, this other episode, I was like, oh, finally, something new. No, no, kids, it was Snowpiercer. They just reworked it. <laughs> they're just reworking other plot lines which is sad because it's it's an amazing show they've got an um, the cast blows my mind there are some breakouts in that cast including melissa navia navia which i'm not sure how to say her name they people love her she's she plays uh erica Ortegas. she's incredible people love her i love her well, obviously because you're also a helms person for the starship because enterprise i'm also Helmswoman Unite. Yes, yes, so yes. <laughs> the cast is incredible. I love Rebecca Romain. I love Anson Mount. Um, I was lucky enough to meet Ethan when he came to the Star Trek set for. Um, they are absolutely incredible. They could do so much more with this. I just would like to see them. And you know the really weird thing is, despite all my plot, like all my plot complaints, I still find myself like, yeah, if I was going to jump on a ship and go with a crew, I'd want to go with this crew. Like, I'd want to be working with these people. I like their camaraderie. I like the way they work together. Um, I would want to hang out with them. I would want to work with them. And I look forward to the show every week, and I can't wait for season two. But they've got to go somewhere new. We boldly go someplace we've never been before, kids. Not some other place some other screenwriter has already done. I'm gonna. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. You and Rizzo mentioned that on your uh, on your uh, Facebook uh, review of Strange New Worlds, and I'm gonna revisit that concept uh, further down in the discussion uh, as we as we move along here. It is 9:39. You are listening to WUSB Stony Brook. We are uh, having a massive discussion about Star Trek: Strange New Worlds on Friday Night Freeform with Captain Phil, Colleen Bennett, Paul Levinson. Michael Rizzo, Mary Beth Rakowski, and now signing in the man himself, Commander Roy Belquist, who <laughs> has chaired two of the last and, well, the last in person and possibly the greatest, at least on the East Coast, uh, conventions for Space 1999. What's your take on Strange New Worlds, my friend? Well, I, I'm going to have to agree with Mike. To a point, and I'm going to have to agree with Mary Beth to a point. So I'm going to flash back a little bit, not so much to talk about Discovery, but just to talk about them being introduced on Discovery. I 
won't even get into my feelings about Discovery, but when they introduced the characters on there and it progressed through that season, in the back of my mind, I was like, these guys are going to definitely get their show. I mean, it, it had to go in that direction because of the way everything was being set up, the stories around them, and then the fact that they actually, they, they showed the Enterprise and everything towards the end. And they actually, as Mary Beth said, they had the camaraderie, they had the, the the interaction, it just worked. They had that chemistry. And then flash forward, it felt like it took forever, but they finally got their own series. And it was, it was a, a, you know, we were waiting in anticipation and it felt really good to wait for something that we were looking forward to. I mean, you know, we're all classic Star Trek fans, Next Generation back in the day, looking forward to those episodes coming out. And then after Next Generation, for me personally, things started to change a, a bit. And again, not to go down that path, but with this series and the fact that it was not with the story arc, that it was going, you have to watch, you know, one episode connects to another, another. It was great to have it to be episodic. And they actually seem like that they're having fun. They seem like they're a crew that's relating to each other. And it was just something to look forward to. In regards to what Mike was saying about the, um, you know, the timelines and everything and just little things like that, it it's that's a question that it is mind boggling because it's like, why do they go in the direction that things that they don't have to change. I mean, one of one of my things that just I found disturbing was just what they did with the Gorn. I mean, in regards to that, we know what the whole episode of Arena is. We know how it started, we know the middle of it, we know how it turns out, we know what, how Kirk has that revelation that, you know, that the Gorn were trying to protect themselves and they felt that, you know, the Federation was invaders. And now we've gone into a different direction. And then to, to bridge off of what Mary Beth was saying too, there's so much opportunity where we could have different storylines, different characters that could be introduced and it can be worked in with these characters as well. And season two in anticipation is something that, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I've been watching it. I mean, those, those episodes would, you know, get dumped when I say dumped, you know, turned on, you know, would be launched maybe like around midnight or one o'clock in the morning. And if I woke up, I was like streaming that right away. I couldn't look, I was looking forward to it. I mean, it was something that I really, I, it was fun to look forward to seeing a Star Trek show again and something that, you know, you want to watch. So, I mean, Anson Mount came up there, I think it was December of 2018. We had the opportunity to meet him up at the set tour. I mean, he came in from Canada. He had just finished uh, filming Discovery. It was the last, uh, I mean, the, the, the last episode of the second season. He was great with the fans. It was so cool to have the opportunity to meet somebody that was going to be in the series. And this was, you know, even before we saw his performance. So with that, that that was something that was extra special. And then again, uh, Ethan was up there too. Ethan uh, Peck, we got to meet him too. I think it was with um, for Trek Ronda Great guy, you know, just as far as, you know, going around the fans and everything. And you could see that they were actually really eager and excited about it. They want care to be taken with this. And it, it's almost like they, you know, they've only got their actors. I mean, that's the, at the end of the day, they've only got so much that they can do in regards to trying to get, have things directed, but they, they really seem to care. And I think that really comes out. And I'm just hoping that the powers that be, we've seen so much with all these different kinds of Star Trek incarnations, some of it great, some of it not so great. And I just only hope that, you know, the powers that be 
actually go in the right direction and listen to the fans and respect the fans and then not not even so much even that too but know what's going to be successful as far as star trek i mean they've kind of broken a few things i mean again mary beth made a comment too about aliens i mean or alien i mean that was just like wow i mean that was just a surprise so hopefully with the second season it's definitely going to be even better than the first i mean they've got a great chemistry with with the actors there's a lot of different stories that they've set up and again it, it's independent of each other so i'm I definitely, you know, I, I would say for me personally, if you've done a one to 10 scale, I would give it an eight, an 8.5. All right. So we all, we all have uh, had our opening say, and uh, I'm going to try to make it more of a discussion now and move it around a little bit. Um, we're going to try to keep it coherent because sometimes uh, in the Zoom, in the Zoom uh, area, things get a little, people step on each other. Uh, so we're going to just try to uh, be heard. Um, but yeah, I think we, we're we all, this ain't our first rodeo. So I'm going to kick it off and uh, I'm going to, I'm going to throw a concept out and, uh, and we can run with this or not. Um, Mary Beth and Michael on their brilliant show, Sci-Fi Distilled. When is that on? When is that show on again, Mary Beth? Live on Facebook Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. or catch us uh, wherever you stream a podcast. And the next episode is going to be Highlander. There can be only one. I was I was going to say how many how many <laughs> Highlander shows will there be? <laughs> one. Um, so I caught the tail end of uh, Mary Beth and Michael Rizzo's distillery, Sci-Fi Distilled, on Facebook, and they do archive them, I believe. You, I, I think Michael is turning into a podcast as well if you want to like play it in the car um, or you could just go on Sci-Fi Distilled on the Facebook and, and look at older episodes and you know maybe they've, they've discussed a favorite movie of yours and you want to listen to what their opinion was and, and uh, go from there but um, I caught the tail end of their Strange New Worlds discussion and Michael and, and Mary Beth were saying we haven't seen a lot of Strange New Worlds we need to go and visit new Strange New Worlds and my uh, idea in this, and then we'll go around, uh, we'll go around the, uh, the the circle here, is we have seen a lot of strange new worlds because the people on the actual ship are the strange new worlds. We're meeting, you know, uh, our, our chief engineer. Um, we're we're getting acquainted with them. It's not the journey to the actual planets that's the point of the show. It's each other. We're learning about each other, and everyone is so different. This is a fully integrated show. This is something that in the 1960s would point out, you know, would be like a groundbreaking thing. You know, it's like there's a woman in, you know, in second command. There's there's people of color in various positions and, and all these things in the 60s were groundbreaking and and uh, and, and unbelievable. Well, you know, and now in 2000 in the 21st century, uh, thank God <laughs> that's more of a more of a standard sort of thing. But we're still learning about these people. We're learning about Uhura. We're learning about Hemmer. We're learning about the different characters. So my uh, concept is the strange new world is each other. So I'm gonna kick it. I'm gonna go backwards. I'm gonna kick it to Mary Beth first, and then and then uh, I'll do Michael and Roy, and then Paul and, and Colleen. So uh, does my does my idea have any validity, Mary Beth? gotta roll that one around in my head a little bit my knee-jerk reaction was actually no because if you wanted we've already met 
all of them before. We we know all these characters already. So maybe we're learning different sides of them. Sure, I guess. Uh, even the engineer who's the most exotic, we've met his race before on Enterprise. So there's nothing truly new, new, new. At least on Disco, there was Linus. I'd never seen, I don't even know what Linus is. And there's Saru. He's brand new. He's brand spanking. I think your, your, your application would be more better, it would be more suited to disco than to to, to Strange New World. <laughs> and there's nothing I like about disco. <laughs> the show, not the music. <laughs> Michael, uh, destroy my argument. <laughs> um, well, you know, I understand. I think I know where you're going with it, Phil. Um, and and I think, I think you can do both. I think you're right. I think Star Trek as traditionally has been about the, the the journey of these characters as well as the journey of the ship. Yeah. But what I'm seeing, you're in the first season. So, you know, as with most Star Treks, they always seem to struggle in the first season anyway. Um, so they're trying to find their, their footing and where they are. I think Mary Beth makes a good point. And, and this is, again, kind of where I think they tripped up is bringing in characters that we already know. We We've met Uhura before. We've met um, Nurse Chapel before we've met Mabanga to some degree and, and of course Pike because we've seen him. So what I think what they really need to do is you can you can have character development and interactions with the crew, which I think we're seeing, but I think you can also pair that with an interesting storyline with something new and exciting and what's going to happen next and not revisit stuff that, like she said, we've kind of already done. Um that's that's kind of so I, I I kind of 50 50 on your argument I think but I I do agree I think disco is doing this far more than than strange the world as far as disco seems all about the characters and certainly they don't seem to put much thought into the storyline <laughs> I, I will I will circle back to disco we, we're talking about Star Trek Discovery by the way when we say disco we're not talking about the BGs okay uh, but I will circle back to uh, to 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 Star Trek Discovery uh, in a few, but I want to go around the horn a little bit. Uh, so let's do Roy, and what did I? And then and then Paul and then Colleen. So Roy, any any ideas on my on my uh, thought process here? I understand your thought process, but to me, Strange New World. You're the only one, Roy. In the title, it, it's <laughs> sorry, Phil. It's just that to me, Strange New Worlds means exactly that it's 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 what's out there i mean it's 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 so vast i mean we're talking about you know the galaxy and that's to me what star trek is is about and you know even going back to the original you know the original series when kirk is you know william shatner is delivering the line to explore strange new worlds to seek out new life and new civilizations to boldly go where no man has gone before i mean that gives me chills just saying those lines because of the way Shatner delivered it, because it's such a powerful statement. And it's just, it's pretty much about what is out there and it, their contact, it's their mission. So yes, I understand your perception of that and how it could be with the development, you know, of us learning about the characters, a little bit more about the backstory, because we're seeing these characters almost as junior officers, junior officers with some of them, you know, before they actually were in the enterprise that you know we know from the 1960s but i think that the the, the drive and the motivation behind the series is really about their exploration so that's pretty much my stance on that uh i forgot where i was going to go next but i think it was paul paul were you next yeah yes you thought right 
So let me uh, let me say uh, I agree, Phil, with what you, what your thinking is. But actually, that leads me to uh, say what I was going to say before you shared your theory with us, which is that I disagree uh, with uh, Michael, Mary Beth, and Roy. Uh, diametrically differ with them. And here's why. Look, uh, Strange New Worlds is taking place years before the original series. So in the original series, to take just one of the examples that Michael was talking about, uh, we, we learned something about this species, the Gorn. We, we don't know how they got there. We don't know what they were like. We don't know how many different, slightly different varieties of the species that there are, how many planets they may or may not inhabit in the time from which they were, they're now in uh, Strange New Worlds that time uh, until the time that Kirk meets them. So I think that uh, Strange New Worlds is uh, entitled to take liberties with the uh, TAS uh, descriptions. And I think, in fact, that makes the story more exciting and even more believable. It would be rather stultifying if any time there was any kind of running into a, a, a TAS canon, either Strange New World stayed away from that, which is what Michael seems to be suggesting, or even worse, just presented exactly the same portrait as we see all those years later uh, with Toss. And, you know, you can look at the characters and say the same thing. Uh, we don't know what happened to Mabenga in between those two series. And Michael would be right if somehow uh, Mabenga, the same exact Mabenga, were like a 10-year-old child in because then that wouldn't make any sense. But changing the nature of the character and, and even Uhura, I, I found it very interesting because I'm it, what, what uh, Strange New Worlds did with that character because I'm interested in how that character who is different from the Uhura of the original series, how A got to B. That, I think that's a very interesting question. There, there's no doubt that the Uhura of Toss is certainly wiser, more relaxed. I mean, a, a very different character. But uh, what people do we know who over a period of time, whatever their character might be, don't in some noticeable ways change their character? So all of that is to say, I like uh, Strange New Worlds, as I've said, and part of why I like it is precisely because it does take on some of these beloved characters or hated characters or whatever they are from the 1960s series. Colleen. Wow. I think you and I are definitely going to agree on this one. Um, I see what you guys are saying about, you know, needing new stories and needing it to be fresh. I get that, I do. Um, I, I might be alone on this, but I, I feel this certain amount of comfort of knowing these characters, of the, that I knew them in 1965 when they came on, or 64, whenever they were on. Um, I got to know them then, and now I'm getting to know them now and diving deeper into them. I, I, I love that 
there's a familiarity with me for me that um, I kind of already know them. Like I do already know the Gorn and I love how they made him so sound so scary in that episode. Um, to me, it, it, I know this might be kind of silly, but I feel like it's like how R2-D2 knew how to fly and then he forgot. <laughs> then he forgot how to fly in episode four, right? So I kind of just let that go and embrace it and enjoy the, the nuances that I'm learning about these characters. R2-D2 can fly? So, <laughs> yeah, right? R2 knew how to fly and then he totally forgot and he can just roll, right? So... Um, and going back to these these characters, these same characters, and we learn something new about them. I think that's 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 just part of redoing a show. Like like J.J. Abrams redid Trek. Some people hated it. Some people loved it. I actually liked it. I know it was like an alt universe thing, so I kind of accepted it as that, and I enjoyed it for what it was. Like I, I love TOS. I love it. I, I love it for what it was, and I love Strange New Worlds for embracing these characters and getting to know a different side of them. And on that, I do agree. I really hope season two, we see some new worlds and some new storylines. I'm sure we will. And I'm looking forward to getting to know these characters even deeper. But for me, again, it's the familiarity with it and already knowing these characters and loving them and getting to know them more or getting to know them better, if that makes sense. You know, going back to my original concept, while everyone was talking, I think I found the appropriate comparison for what I'm saying, and that is in the level of character and the way the characters are being reinvented or or at least you know given more depth is the difference between, and this is for the comic books only, not the movies, comic books only, the difference between uh, Len Wein's and Bernie Wright's and Swamp Thing as compared to Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. This is only talking about the comic books. So if you know your Swamp Thing books, you know what I'm talking about. Because uh, the original uh, Swamp Thing comics was a man who merged with a swamp and was trying to become human again. And the Alan Moore books was a plant that thought it was a man. And that made that character just expound even more. And that's the same sort of vibe. I mean, okay, so no one's really a plant in Star Trek Strange New Worlds, or we haven't met them yet. But that's the sort of, like, uh, reveal that I'm getting. That's the vibe I'm getting when I'm learning about these characters, when I'm learning about Samuel Kirk, or I'm learning about Uhura, you know, or Number One. Um, and it's an exciting. Uh, I'm going to go back to Colleen, and I want to briefly go around the room again and ask you what your favorite episode of season one Star Trek Strange New Worlds were. So I'm putting Colleen on the spot um, and I have the Wikipedia page in front of me so in case you forget the name of your favorite episode I can look it up for you. Uh, but yeah, do you have a favorite episode, Colleen? Thanks a lot, Phil. <laughs> really, make me go first on that and I don't remember all the episode names and I don't okay. have any notes. I have, I have the list in front of me. Thanks. Well, okay, so uh, the episode that made me cry my eyes out is when the doctor had to let go of his daughter. I'm a, I'm a mom. I've got a daughter, and watching that ripped my heart out. Was that the Elysium uh, Kingdom? Elysium Kingdom. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That was super painful. And yet that's freaking good writing, right? That's that it's just so well done that I cried so hard and 
really got attached to it. So I, I, I liked that episode and hated it at the same time. And um, the the finale of season of season one, I I was I, I was like on the seat of my chair. I loved it. And of course, I don't remember what that one was called either. A Quality, Quality of, Mercy, of Mercy, which is the sequel to A Balance of Thank Terror. You. Or the, re, the, 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 the you know, reimagining of A Balance Thank of you. Terror. Yeah. Paul, favorite episode. We'll help you out with the story titles. <laughs> yeah, I don't know any of the story titles. But I have to say, and I indicated this before, is every episode in which Pike is struggling with how to live his life, uh, knowing what the end is going to be. And it reminds me in many ways of what Paul Muadib goes through in Dune wow. when, when he can see the future and he's you know, he, the love of his life is somebody who was taken over by, you know, his enemies. And should he take her back? And what is he going to do? I think that's such an exquisite dilemma. And it's something that we human beings outside of science fiction don't, in fact, usually have. We don't know in, in that kind of specificity exactly how our life is going to end. And I, I therefore find that in a profound philosophic sense uh, a, a very very riveting thing to watch unfold in a television series nice yeah i agree i i absolutely agree michael rizzo you're next in the hot seat um clearly the best episode i think was the last one a quality of mercy um right out of the gate i mean uh and and this might be contradictory you might say to what i've said previously where they kept going back to 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 tos stuff and kind of mucking about with it but i thought the way they handled the balance of terror episode basically the retelling of it from as if pike was captain to show what would happen if he actually survives or i should say doesn't get injured um i thought it was they did that one very well uh that that was that was fit really well i wish they had just kept the monster maroon that he was wearing as a monster maroon instead of rebranding it like they do with everything but i've come to the conclusion that paramount cbs has figured out nerds and that every time they come up with a new com badge a new uniform somebody's gonna buy it so uh it's like shooting nerds in a barrel so they figure they just put a new one out there every time and somebody's gonna buy it because they have to cosplay it so anyway but that's that's it that would be my absolute favorite one um, out of the series. There are some other good ones in there. I don't know, but we don't have that. You know, we'll get around to that, I guess. Mary Beth. Yeah, there's actually a number of standouts. Um, I, I'm actually going to kind of, I want to call out to you. I'm going to call out the one I just criticized for being alien rewritten. It's all those who wander. It's it's the reworking of the Gorn. I, I'm mad at the screenwriters for, for visiting another plot line. But I gotta give them credit, they brought the tension. Like they brought the suspense. It was scary. Like I was like if you watch that one in the dark, you're like sitting there with the blanket. It, it was it was really good in that way. The other one I really liked, um, that I wanna shout out was uh the Serene Squall, only because I love Jesse James Pytel as Captain Angel. That character is pure fire, and I wanna see more of that character. I, you know what? I, I'm glad you mentioned that. I just, um, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm breaking the rules here. I'm gonna jump in and comment. Um, th there's a scene in the Serene Squall where Pike has control of the uh, the other ship, and uh, and he's just flying it, 
and we just he just he just got it. We and that and you know one minute you know they're they he, they're arguing, and the next minute, Pike's got it, and and he's and he's flying with him. I just love that. I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. You know, um, Roy. Yeah, Mary Beth took it. The Serene Squirrel. I mean that it was very well done. That's a character that I. It's you know that they're going to revisit her. They're going to bring her back. I mean it. It, it worked. Uh, that was a favorite, and then of course the last episode um, that we were just talking about, which I just yeah, a quality of mercy. Just watching that in regards to it, I mean it was they they took their care again with lining up the you know the way they photographed that episode. I mean when you compare it to Balance of Terror, but going beyond that as well, it was interesting to have a different perspective that you would see what would happen, how the timeline. You know, disruptive, and it's kind of a reminder how they always bring up, and you know, it's been brought up in previous Trek, you know, different series about you know the timeline. I mean, it was something that was kind of dealt upon in uh, Deep Space Nine about they said the temporal police, and it's a reminder that unfortunately things are you know destiny has been set, and it, it's you know we all have our glass door moments where in life where you know you could go one way or you could go another and then you wonder you know if i had gone in a different direction what would have been and this is kind of like a a reminder of that but as a result of that thinking that he's going to be able to save so many lives then you find out it would even be worse if he did go through that door and he's reminded of it so i think that not only was it a, a a fine tribute to an original series episode it's probably definitely ranks in the one you know the top 10 at least for me personally and the, the care that they handled with it but they also had a, a very good story surrounding it they you know the way they went about it so those those two i would have to say are my favorites star trek uh, it's a wonderful life <laughs> sort of right yeah yeah uh, exactly. I, I'm I'm going to comment on this briefly, and then I'm going to give you my favorite episode. But uh, um, Paul, you remember a, twi- a new Twilight Zone story called "The Profile in Silver," which dealt with the assassination of John F. Kennedy? Yeah, J. Neil Shulman, who passed away just a few years ago, a libertarian and actually uh, a friend of mine, even though I didn't agree with his libertarian philosophy, he wrote that back in the early 1980s. And, and if you haven't seen it, it's a story about um, uh, Kennedy's um, um, ancestor in the future travels back in time and saves Kennedy from being assassinated, which leads the world to the brink of nuclear war because he didn't die where he was supposed to die. And then, and then spoiler alert, plug your ears, um, John F. Kennedy goes back and sacrifices himself so the world won't go into a nuclear war, much the same sort of uh, thing that's going on with uh, Captain Pike here, right, Paul? Yeah, exactly. And let me just throw in a superb episode in the Orville, which uh, the, the third season on Hulu, which reminded me a lot of City on the Edge of Forever because it had that same theme, a character uh, in this case, travels into the future, but needs to be rescued from that because that would distort all future history. And I'll say here, by the way, that I think the Orville in season three has become uh, really, in many of its episodes, 
pretty much as good as, uh, you know, some of the best Star Trek episodes. That's in contrast to the first two seasons, which also were enjoyable, but nowhere nearly that good. The thing I find, here, here. I'm going to give, I'm going to give my uh, favorite episode in a minute and you're all going to hate me when I say it. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, talking about the Orville for a second, the thing I find, um, and it's just like a personal revelation to me is that watching the Orville and being friends with the Long Island musician, Rory Kelly made me realize that Star Trek, the next generation to some people was what Star Trek, the original series was to me when I was young and growing up and that it had such a great and positive impact on them. My, my friend, my good friend, Rory Kelly, who actually, uh, recited a poem that Data wrote about his cat on our cat show, where Mary Beth and I were cats. And I'll I'll send that episode to you if you if you ask me, <laughs> no matter what Mary Beth says. <laughs> um, she was fantastic. She, Mary Beth was like I, she could have should have gotten an Emmy, you know, or whatever whatever they give out for radio. It was just fantastic. She's she's great as a cat. Um, but um, Rory, uh, you know, you know, uh, had such love for for the original trek and 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 it gave her you know the same thing with seth MacFarlane. you you watch the show and it's like such a love letter to that show and i'm like when it when i look at the show i had already been you know a star trek original series fan and i didn't have the same impact what did what did david hartwell say about the age of science fiction paul the age of science fiction is eight is that right yeah, he, he well, he said eight to twelve. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and I think that's I think that ha, you know has a lot of truth to it. So, I think that's you know it, it was just nice to be able to acknowledge that those things exist, and it makes it more of a brother and sisterhood of of enjoying something than it is like this is mine, and if you don't like it, you know, screw you. Ah, you know, it's it's more it's more of let's let's share what we love instead of you know let's fight over what we love. Speaking of fighting, here is my favorite episode. Everybody fasten your seatbelts. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> I loved Spock Amok. <laughs> I thought it was great. I loved it. I loved to pring. I love the fact that I got to see Vulcans who are engaged get into an argument. I loved the <laughs> Freaky Friday body switch. I know this. I sound like a a, a jackass when I'm saying this, but it's I, I loved it. I loved it so much. And the thing I love about it is, I get to see. Um, I only you know from Ted Sturgeon's you know a mock time from the second season of Star Trek. You know he, he he did he did he did such a great thing. He 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 made us think about the Vulcans as if they were salmon. They had to spawn every seven years. Um, there's arranged marriages, and you think Spock has never known his bride to be. Um, and I'm glad they ignored that, you know, and, and that they're, the two of them had a relationship prior to that. I love the fact that T'Pring, it is a matriarchy. Uh, I love the fact that T'Pring asked Spock to marry him, and Spock is not stupid. <laughs> he says yes. She's, she's a stunningly beautiful actress. I love the way that she's playing the parts. I love the third wheel of Nurse Chapel in the whole thing. Um, but it makes me... Uh, look at Amok time uh, with new eyes because I watched to bring you know in the original series. Here's a woman who hates Spock so much that she wants Spock to kill his captain and lose his commission. So we're at the beginning of the relationship where they love each other, and it's going to go. That's where that relationship ends, much like the the story arc for. 
Captain Pike, where we know he's going to end up in, in, the, in the chair and back on Talos IV at the end of his life. Um, with, with this relationship, we see the death of the relationship where she chooses the other one because she's not putting up with his BS anymore. Um, I love it. I, I love it. I, I want to see how Spock ruins or to Pring ruins this relationship. And I can't wait to see where this goes in, in the next couple of seasons. Uh, anybody want to jump on that? Uh, you know what? Just jump in because I'm, I'm anybody want to run with that or you want to oh. go on to something else? No, the one the one thing that really kind of doesn't really part when in, in the muck time, you know, he shows a picture of T'Pring and she's like 12, um, which doesn't really fit with what's going on now, because why would he show a picture of her when she was 12 if he was having relations with her as an adult? Um you know, and apparently they don't have to wait seven years to mate because they can do it whenever they want. Um, you know, if that's a that's a, a niggle, that's fine. I don't I don't necessarily, but um, yeah, and I don't think she hates him. I think she's just selfish and doesn't want. She wants what she wants out of the relationship and doesn't want to deal with him. Like she said, I don't want. Remember, in the original, her line in the original series is, "You becoming a legend," and I decided I did not want to be married to a legend. Of a legend consort of a legend thank you so i think i don't necessarily think that she hates him but i think her logic is saying this is the way i can get out of it and yes she's so cold in her logic that she doesn't really care that captain kirk past cold she's straight unethical she's she's straight unethical in her logic at that point so she's just thinking about herself she's actually very selfish which is she didn't care that she was about to screw over not over i don't really think it's hatred i don't think she's doing it out of hatred i think she's doing it out of self-interest I think she wants to inflict pain on him. Uh, you know, take away. I think I feel like it's a divorce, and that she's trying to take him for everything he's got. You know, that's what we got to find out because right now they are solid. They are in oh, love. They, it's great, and I love it. I love it. But that's the thing is, there's there's storm clouds on the horizon, and it's alluded to in Spock and Locke. And 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 let's face it, Spock is probably the most written about character in all of Star Trek. Um, so there's there's not a lot of wiggle room with him. I mean, he and and the these these Vulcans have longer lifespans, so. But yeah, I I, I love that. I, I I loved it. I think it's I think it's a cool uh, concept. I like to see where it goes, and I and, and I like the two of them together. They're really good together. I mean, I I would watch a Lifetime holiday movie with those two together. <laughs> okay, well, wait wait a second. I I want to just say something about about Maris Chapel. Uh, I actually think. Chapel and Spock are the better couple in uh, strange new worlds. And and that's in part also because we know a little bit about the future, not only of Spock, we know a lot about the future of Spock, but somewhat also the future of Chapel. And uh, I, I, I think that a large part of what strange new worlds tried to do in this first season is suggest that Spock is torn between the two. And uh, I think that's a very interesting thing about Spock as well. By the way, I just want to say one other thing about, you know, dealing with, you know, certain icons that we get from earlier series and, you know, being annoyed about that or liking that. If you think about it, going back to Tosh, bringing in something which was a pilot in which the the character was originally played by Jeffrey Hunter, an original actor. And, and of course, 
Leonard Nimoy playing Spock is in that already. So is Chapel. I think was a pretty risque, dangerous thing to do way back in the 60s. And I think it worked brilliantly because it set up the whole Star Trek series back then, the original series, as something which was not in any way going to be like conventional television. As far as I know, in fact, no other series has, has ever done anything like that. Dare to bring in a pilot, make it an episode. I think Strange New Worlds is true to that two-part episode that Gene Roddenberry had the brilliance to put in way back in the 1960s. To save let's, money, let's, too. Can I just say, well, yeah, we're going to jump in on that. So <laughs> let's see. Who's, all right, so who's going to go first, Rizzo or, or Roy? Go ahead, let Roy go. Go ahead, Roy. Yeah. I mean, the original pilot was set up with Jeffrey Hunter to play Captain Christopher Pike. And then what happened was, I mean, this is my understanding. And you guys, I mean, Mary Beth, Mike, please jump in. And, you know, anybody else, obviously, Colleen and, and Paul and Phil. But with that, it didn't it didn't sell for, you know, the reasons, you know, that we heard and everything with the networks and everything it was thought to be too cerebral. And then Gene Roddenberry was given the second opportunity. But... William Shatner's character was right, right, exactly. It was the first time supposedly in television history that this had occurred. And they gave the green to go ahead for a second pilot, but the character of Captain Kirk was a totally different character than You're that right. of Captain Kirk. That's right. Those were two totally separate characters and things were reworked in regards to Spock. I mean, Spock in the cage, I mean, essentially, you know, he, he did have emotion. I mean, even, you know, one thing is, you know, even you, you caught him smiling a lot of times. And unfortunately, they did it away with the number one character and a lot of the um, kind of logical mind, calculating mind, the uh, I'll say less emotion, not that she didn't have emotion, but those traits were imprinted on the Spock character. And that that became, you know, that's what Leonard Nimoy took on in regards to his character and where no man has gone before. And then both him and William Shatner, the dynamics between the two were totally different. I mean, uh, Leonard Nimoy was, I remember when he, you know, uh, Star Trek memories right after Star Trek II had come out and he even talked about, it. he said, you know, Jeffrey Hunter was a you know, wonderful actor, but their chemistry was entirely different than the chemistry that he had with William Shatner and totally different characters. So not to, you know, respectfully, just, just to kind of clarify that. You know, yeah. Paul. No, I'm, I'm let me just. I'm glad you did because you're right. But still, on the Spock point that you just made, it's certainly possible for Spock at any time to smile. It's not that it's impossible for Spock to smile. It's always a question of whether his Vulcan side or his human side is is in control. So the fact that the young Spock might smile in in that two part toss special episode that is not an inconsistency with the overall spot character and, uh, and results yeah, to bridge off your yeah i mean i just gonna point out with the cage we remember that was a pilot that nobody saw except for the networks uh that was never aired until many 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 years later in syndication and maybe at conventions they showed it um so so nobody really saw that um you know uh uh 
the number one character was eliminated because the the network didn't like they didn't want to have a woman as a as a first officer that wasn't going to fly so again gene fought for spock they didn't want spock either they wanted to get rid of him too uh gene fought for spock to be in there and because you know majel was still kind of with gene roddenberry at the time she got the chapel character um, so that you know, these were not really done so much as for production. They were done because there was behind-the-scenes politics going on um, with the show to some degree. And we always have to kind of put that into perspective. That you know, I, I think people put Roddenberry onto this kind of this pedestal a lot of times, and he was just a, he was just a producer trying to get his show made um, and and make money. That's all his goal was. Uh, you know, and and yes, not to take any credit away from him. But that was the politics of, of, of getting the show made. So I think, you know, what Roy's saying is 100% correct. You know, it's just, I think the fact that the way the character's laid out, and you're right, you're you're totally right about, about Spock. We saw him spy, smile many times in the original series. He'll grin here and there, certainly in Where No Man Has Gone Before, you know, he kind of, there's definitely a, a grin. So we knew that. And in fact, that actually translates right up to the motion picture where he's decided he wants to purge all his emotion and that's why he's going to call an R and then he senses V'ger and and we know that story goes. And then of course he dies, comes back and now he's kind of more half and half again. Uh, so, you know, that's all I really want to say of that. It's just that there's politics always going on and so it's not always just the, the writing or that much thought into it. It's more like, how can we shoehorn this person back into a job? Cool, cool. Um... You know what? I want to throw something out there, and we are talking with my good friends, Mary Beth Rakowski, uh, Michael Rizzo, Roy Belquist, Paul Levinson, and Colleen Bemin. Um, you know, uh, Paul is, is in, uh, in uh, I think, Queens. Was it Queens, uh, Paul? No, it's uh, White Plains, New White York. Plains. <laughs> uh, Roy, Roy is in uh, New Jersey, that strange alien landscape. Mary Beth is up in uh, Massachusetts. Um, Rizzo is up in New Hampshire, and Colleen is in Denver, Colorado. How are things in Denver, Colorado, Colleen? Way out here two hours earlier than all you guys. So you're not sleepy at all, not like Rizzo. Rizzo's exhausted. <laughs> I'm torturing him. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hanging in there. It's fine. Good, good. Denver is awesome, you guys. Denver is having just amazing weather, you know, no hurricanes, no, no nothing, no problems. Denver is just keeping it cool. Awesome. It's awesome. It's nice, it's nice to be like here. snow in June, though. We have another friend that lives out that way. And he it was can. posting some pictures of some snow very late in the year. Oh, no, my gosh. No, I don't it know. Can. I can't deal with that. Nope. Sorry. No. So, oh, but you guys, it like, okay, so it's not like snow out your way. When it snows in Denver, it melts the next day. And, and they make it sound so bad on the news, like it's this major blizzard. And then it melts the next day, and it's like sixty. So yeah, living in living in Denver is pretty awesome. Uh, my buddy, my buddy Howard is is texting us saying uh, Roddenberry said he can only save only one character, uh, number one or Spock. So he saved Spock. So he is he is listening. So uh, Rizzo, um, favorite captain Anson Mount? Yes, no, maybe. What do you think of the of the performance and the actual character? Kirk will always be my favorite. Um, there's the only one and only, especially after if once you if you've ever met William Shatner, I think that would solidify if you were a fan, uh, the man. And he is an amazing man. But I've also met Anson and I was very impressed with him. And and like Paul was saying, uh, I'd seen him on Hell on Wheels. He's a he's a great actor. Um, 
he's a, he's a good captain. I mean, I like him as a character. My only my only niggle, I guess, with him on on this is I'd like to see him be a little more captain like, a little more officer like with some of his crew. I think there's a little bit too much banter on the bridge during a crisis, a little too much back talk. Um, in a, in a military type situation, you know, it's like captain gives an order. You don't really question it, but I'm kind of seeing that a little bit on this. I know it's just, just be- to jump in a second. This seems like a, a holdover from discovery. There's a lot of that in discovery. Just yes, want to throw yes, that in there. It's, it's, it's the new Trek. So, uh, you know, but I, but Anson is great. Is he better than Picard? Probably not. Not yet. Not yet. I haven't seen that yet. You know, that's, and I'm telling you, and actually in the world of Star Trek as a whole, I think Picard is still actually probably more popular than than Kirk is uh, overall. And I think I think TNG is still CBS Paramount's flagship uh, franchise uh, with, with the new stuff excluded. Uh, you know, TNG was still going to be it was still their biggest show. So um, I like I like Anson. I like Pike. Um, they need to do something with his hair. So he, doesn't like, so he doesn't look like the Paramount logo. Um, but I think overall, what's that? What's that, what's that cartoon character's name? Johnny Johnny Bravo. Johnny Bravo. Yeah, he's kind of got that. There was a good meme going on where they somebody took the hair and really made it into the yeah. Paramount mountain, yep. and it was uh, you know it did really kind of, but it is a little too much. But you know what? Janeway had terrible hair in the first season of Voyager. It was awful. And they, they toned it down. So I think they, they'll get it eventually. Uh, Mary Beth? Yeah, Rizzo's, Rizzo's right. As of a couple years ago, anyway, I don't know what the latest is, but as of a couple years ago, the execs at CBS themselves told me that Star Trek The Next Generation remains their number one show, their number one ship, and their number one captain, as you know, for, for, for the franchise. Um, my, when you, when, and Mary, my Beth, when you, captain, Mary Beth, when you say that, does that mean in terms of they're making the money? To this day, makes the most money. Yeah, because I, yes. I mean, I, I imagine, day. I imagine there are Star Trek fans in Paramount, but the bottom line is the dollar bills, y'all, right? Well, yeah, it's a business, guys. It's show business. You got to remember the business side of show business. Yeah. But so my ahead. my yeah. favorite my favorite captain is Next Gen Era Picard. Not so much <laughs> the most recent <laughs> Picard, but Next Gen Era Picard. Do do I think uh, Pike can get there? He's a different character. He's a it's as different as Picard and Kirk were. Picard and, and Pike are different too. It's apples and oranges. Pike's awesome for who he is, but he's not Picard. And Anson Mount, you met him in person. The person, yeah, the yes, you know. And we met Anson. He had just gotten done finished. He just finished the, the filming Discovery. We hadn't seen it yet. We had no idea what was coming. If I had known how much I was going to enjoy Pike, I would have tried harder to appreciate him when he was standing right in front of me. But at the time, I just saw an exhausted man who was sitting down literally with his head in his hands. He was so tired. He had just come from like 24 hours filming, came straight to the Star Trek set tour and jumped right in with two feet to meet the fans there. He was incredible. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. Exhausted, but incredible. And Roy, you've met him as well? Yeah, same same time that Mary Beth did. Like like she was just saying, he was he was really beat. And he, he got on stage and he was telling his story. He was passing out cards to the fans. Uh, I think he had some kind of uh, site or something. I don't even remember. I have that card somewhere. But um, very engaging and everything. But in regards to your your original question i mean william shatner or i should say in regards to the captain captain kirk is always going to be my 
favorite. And that's just because I grew up with Captain Kirk. In regards to Next Generation, I watched Next Generation from beginning to end. I mean, you know, it was all over the internet just recently, posted about it. You know, Star Trek The Next Generation just celebrated the anniversary of its 35th, you know, 35th anniversary, which just blows my mind away because it just reminds me how old I am. But I remember all the, you know, the anticipation and all the talk of as far as, you know, how is this going to be? You know, how dare they do this? You know, there's only one Star Trek. And you know, fast forward 35 years later, and look, look how many Star Treks there are. But in regards to that, um, yeah, I mean, I would have to say it's it's Kirk and then, and then you know, uh, Patrick Stewart with uh, Captain Picard. Anson Mount has made this, is in the process of making Captain Pike his own. I mean, obviously with Jeffrey Hunter, he originated the role. He did it for literally a pilot. He did, you know, maybe what, for Lucky, an 80-minute episode. What do you think? But, it was like a week's work for him as an actor, two weeks' work, you know, back in the yeah, day? Yeah, it probably Probably not even that much. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think they shot it over, like, the, the like before and after Thanksgiving of 1964. My, my memory recurs, you know, correctly so you're talking literally 58 years ago but i mean i think he's on the way to making this his own i i like what he's doing i like what the writers are doing with him i mean it, he's got he's his own person they're not trying to mimic anybody else and i think that's going to be the success of this character could he potentially be better i i don't think he's ever going to be better i you, i don't even think it's fair to say better because i think everyone has their own strengths and it's more like who do you appreciate who you favor but as far as better i i don't know i don't know if that's if that's a fair term especially at this point but i i really like what he's doing and i think you know what if, if he stays on the path i think it's going to be some you know good stuff down the road colleen what do you think of anson mount i don't think you've met him in person but uh what do you think of the the performance of the actor anson mount and where the character the, the actual character himself you're obviously familiar with captain the original captain pike so uh what are your thoughts so back to your original question, Mike. Uh, no, I haven't met him. That would be cool to meet him. And I did watch him on Hell on Wheels. And uh, he was he was great. And I agree with the Paramount hair. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, but what I want to say is I, it's hard to compare and, and to pick one because Kirk's the original. Kirk, William Shatner, he's, he's larger than life. And uh, he, he always will be. Anson Mount. His character is um, Pike's different. Like you guys had originally talked about, uh, I'm not sure if he's quite taking his uh, his position that seriously. He's 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 got a lot of humor. He's joking around with the crew a lot. He's he's really really different. So in the and Kirk's always so serious and so Shakespearean and like everything is just bigger than life with every sentence he says. I want to I want to propose that. Who do you think that the? I'm going to go back with a question for you guys. Who do you think the showrunners are going after with Strange New Worlds? Because the you know the two captains are so different. Do you think they're going after like a new audience, or are they trying to get us, the old audience, to like them? So, like, are they going after? I'm not sure if I'm explaining myself right, but. Are, are they going after a new audience to get new viewers? Or are they trying to please us older audience? Because well, they, they I, are such well, different before, characters. Before, before, I, we, before, I, we I answer, before we answer that question, um, which we, we were definitely going to answer, I want uh, Paul's take on, on Anson Mount. 
And then, Paul, once you're done talking about that, uh, we'll go back around uh, the, the room again and talk about um, what Colleen just asked. But go ahead. Tell us about your thoughts on, on Captain Pike and then answer uh, Colleen's question. All right. Well, so first of all, I haven't met Anson Mount or William Shatner uh, or, or any of the actors in Star Trek in person. I did meet John Lennon once in an elevator in the early 1970s. And I was telling him to come to a recording studio where I was recording <laughs> one of my songs. He never showed wow. up. It's okay. I still love him and, and his music. Are, are you telling me... Remember? You telling me Lennon could have been on that first album that that hit big in uh, Japan? Yeah, I, that's oh. right. He could have been on Twice Upon a Rhyme if only he had showed up. But I think the studio was too far away. I met him in an elevator in a Manhattan building, uh, some kind of record company. Is this going to work? And, uh, is this going to work into that that story you're working on with with Pete Fornatel? Well, no. I, well, I'll mention it since I'll talk. It's called it's called it's real life. It's an alternate history story about the Beatles and about the late disc jockey Pete Fornatel. And uh, it starts out with Pete in a world in which John Lennon was not assassinated. And uh, it, I, but probably I wrote that story in part because meeting John Lennon like that just very briefly, you know, has never left me. But let me answer th this question at hand. And I think, uh, Phil, you've heard me talk about this before. And, and in fact, uh, uh, possibly uh, Michael and Mary Beth have heard me too, because we, we might have talked about this the last time we were together last year. Uh, I, I have something I call the first love syndrome. And what I mean by that is what people tend to love if there is a series in which there are various episodes and various incarnations, uh, it, it's always the, the series that they were first exposed to doesn't matter even how old they are. And I, I realize this in a very profound way. I mean, it, it sounds like a bad joke, but at some point at a science fiction convention uh, in the late 1990s, I ran into someone and we got into a discussion. It was like a panel about Star Trek back then. And I guess it was basically, it was TOS, uh, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine. I don't think Voyager had started yet. And, uh, Somebody in the audience raised his hand and said, well, what did you think about Star Trek, the motion picture? And I said, I, I thought it was horrible. And he said, Are you, really? And, and this guy, you know, who's like a guy back then, like in his 20s, he, he was saying that, uh, no, he, he, he loved it. And, and I, I said, are you kidding me? Have you never seen, you know, the original series or Star Trek The Next Generation? He said, yeah, I've seen both of them. And neither of them had like the grandeur of, of that movie. And and I realized you know, he, he had seen it in a theater, uh, you know, in contrast to seeing the other things on television. And, and he'd seen it when he was considerably younger. And that's what made an impression on him. So I think that all of us, I mean, you, you know, no matter how much we might analyze this, we, we are to some extent caught up in this first love syndrome. So, you know, as everyone here has said, how can you put anyone above Kirk? Because, uh, you know, that is so fundamental to us. But nonetheless, as I said earlier, I think Pike is going to give him, is beginning to give Kirk a, a run for his money. And to be honest with everyone here and everyone who's listening, although I loved and loved The Next Generation, it was not because 
of Picard. It was because of Data and Worf and some of the other characters, even Riker. I thought Picard was good in The Next Generation, but he did not dominate the show. I think the strength of The Next Generation was it was truly an ensemble cast. Uh, and so for me, Pike has already... As, as opposed to the Holy Trinity in the original Star Trek, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, right? Yes, that's right. Uh, so I think Pike has already, as a character, has already exceeded Picard. And it, look, it is unfortunate. I think as I, maybe Mary Beth, I think Mary Beth made this point. Uh, I, it's hard now to think of Picard without thinking of the character we've seen in this new television series where, look, I think he's a great actor, uh, you know, but I just think the character, he, he's tired, indecisive, somewhat interesting, but nowhere near the level of Kirk at, or, or Pike. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, talk about Anson Mount for a second, and I will answer Colleen's question, and then I'll give the rest of the people in the room uh, a chance to answer uh, Colleen's question. Uh, I do have to remind you that it is 10:45, and you are listening to Friday Night Freeform with Captain Phil and a panel of Star Trek. Uh, fans talking about Star Trek Strange New Worlds, and there will be more science fiction with my buddy Dr. Howard Margolin coming up at 11.30 tonight, and then Chris Phillips with the end of radio as your official palate cleanser from the worlds of science fiction. Uh, so yeah, so what I want to say about uh, Anson Mount's performance, I did have the opportunity to meet him, and I did not take it. I kind of regret it now. I was not particularly... Um, happy with with Anson's uh, work in Star Trek Discovery, but I think that has more to do with the way the the uh, Discovery is shot, the way and the way the story's played out. And I don't want to get into that because that's just a hole we're going to fall into and not get out of uh, tonight. I, I could talk about that for hours, though. And and uh, yeah, what I do like about the character and the way Anson is playing him is the subtlety to it. There are gestures there are facial expressions there are looks that he's giving his crew that i really really like i think uh he's he's not the operatic you know uh type of character that's this larger than life that we've been talking about with with um patrick stewart's picard or william shatner's uh captain kirk so i like the small moves i like the fact that he likes to cook i like that a lot It, it shows difference um there, I like the fact, sorry Rizzo, I like the fact that he has a large room to be in. I think that it, for dramatic purposes, it gives the cast a place to work in, sort of like um, the rec room uh, or, or the conference room in the original series. That's just, just a place, you know, where where they can bang their heads together and have some drama there, like 10 Forward was in, in the uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, I like these small moves. I like the fact that he has a girlfriend, um, and I love the hair. You know, it's 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 the future. People could do whatever they want with their hair, and since they have replicators, he could probably you know he could probably have Marge Simpson here if he wants to, you know. So, so yeah. Um, in terms of the greatest captain, everybody knows the greatest captain of them all is Captain Phil, alternate Thursdays on WUSB Stony Brook. That truly is the greatest captain. I'm pretty sure everybody in the room here agrees with me, and if they don't, I'll knock them off the air. Um, but but, but um, 
Um, no, my favorite, my favorite captain. It wasn't a captain at all. It was uh, Commodore Decker in Star Trek: The Original Series, The Doomsday Machine. Don't you understand? We've got to destroy it. So uh, I love that. And 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 Paul, to go back to uh, you know the age you were seeing it. I remember sitting in my bedroom at the edge of my bed, looking at a black and white TV, while the Enterprise um, was being sucked into the Doomsday Machine and. Scotty said, phasers? You need phasers? I got one bank recharge. And that was it. My heart flew out of my chest and went to the Enterprise after that, or the Constellation. Um, so we had the answer to Colleen's question. Oh, yes. And, and who is the show being made for? So for, for Colleen, and then we'll go around the room. I, I think Colleen, he's, he's going for the hat trick. I think he's going, uh, he's going to please all the fans. I think he's trying to reach the classic audience who is on, you know, is starting to leave the planet. You know, they're starting to leave. And I think he's also going for a new audience. I believe Discovery did get a new audience. Um, I don't understand that audience, but you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to denigrate anybody who, who loves something. Love is love. And if you love Discovery, that's great have a hat at it you know i have no problem with that uh, i don't get it but you know what there's a lot of things in this world i don't get um so i think i think they're going for everybody you know and and you know being informed by what uh, marybeth said about next gen maybe maybe that's maybe that's where they're going they're going to create as big an audience um because next gen probably got the new audience and the classic audience I don't think there's a lot of classic fans who completely despise Star Trek The Next Generation. I think they like it, some love it, most tolerate it. I don't think there's that many people who hate it. So, yeah. So, um, to answer Colleen's question, let's go to Michael Rizzo. Who are they making? Who is he making the show for, Michael? Um, I I, I tend to, well, to quote Sterling Archer, a little column A, a little column B. Um, You know, uh, I think they're both, they're they're trying to shotgun it and hit, they're trying to pull in new viewers, um, probably pulling a punch over from Discovery for certainly, um, and they're trying to they're trying to do a fan service to to us TOS fans. Um, that's where I think, I think they're they're slipping is that the way they're going about it. They tried it in Discovery and it was terrible. Any fan service they did, they just totally mucked it up. Um, and but I think they're trying with this one, and that's why I think they brought in care, you know, the Gorn, and they brought in some of the old TOS characters to try to pull some of us thinking over. But I, again, I, I still think he, he missing the mark a little bit. It's just it wasn't quite there. I think it could have been done a little better. That's just my opinion. But just wanted to jump quickly back to what Paul was saying about first loves. That is absolutely one hundred percent correct. Um, whatever people watched and fell in love with first is always going to be there. Their favorite because I ran into this at Trek Conderoga, which is our little Star Trek event we run once a year up there at the set tour. I give a what I call a Star Trek round uh, round. I call it round tables. Me talking and people asking questions, but you know. And I usually I, ask, "What's your favorite Star Trek?" Because we get and and there was a girl there that that said Voyager, which after I, you know, was done with the bile in the back of my throat, <laughs> I realized that that was the first Star Trek that she was exposed to. She was never exposed to anything else but Voyager. So that was her her, her, her center point. 
So I have to respect that. Like you said, if that's what you love, that's what you love. Great. Go with it. I don't like it. That's my prerogative. I'll tell you, I'm an oddball when it comes to the old school because I love TOS is always going to be my favorite. But my second favorite, and this is going to get some eye rolls, is Enterprise. I I think that's, I honestly think that's my second favorite. And I don't necessarily think it's anybody else's and it should be, but I think it was in a very underrated show. And then DS9 would actually be my third. TNG comes in at four. Mm. For me, what? so wow. Uh oh. TNG, I call it goody two shoes. Goody two shoes trash. They fired. always did the right thing. <laughs> they always did the right thing in the end. They never, they never, they never did. They never went against the rules. You know, it was always did the right thing. So, uh, Mary Beth. That, so yes. So right, go ahead. Finish up, Rizzo. Go ahead. No, that's it. I, I just say I think they are trying to hit both. I don't necessarily think they're doing it effectively, but I think they are trying to get as many uh, broad viewership on this one as opposed to like you say discovery which has a very specific clearly they're after a very specific demographic uh mary beth yeah yeah they're making it they're not making it for new viewers they're making it for us and we know this because they said as much they said it they said out loud we heard you the cry went up uh uh from people watching disco who were not happy and then people really 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 enjoyed pike on disco and the cry went up and it was an a ongoing drumbeat on Twitter for a while there. Just Pike needs a show, Pike needs a show, Pike needs a show. And they finally said, we hear you. We hear you. And they did it. Roy, who are they making the show Space for, Roy? Are they making it for you? <laughs> I was, I was going to say, Phil, here you go. Space 1999, year one or year two. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the obvious answer to that, Roy, is Ring Around the Moon. It always will be Ring Around the Moon. It's always going to be Ring Around the Moon. And you can, you can put me into an alternate timeline, and it'll still be Ring Around the Moon. <laughs> uh, that's that's an inside bad. joke for us space fans. <laughs> Who are they well making done, the show for? Well, well done. There you go. There you go. I'm, I'm actually originally from Norway. Did you know that? That's another inside joke. <laughs> On the moon surface, dancing to Vic Elms. Yeah, oh, 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 baby, oh, baby. So, Roy, who, who, who is, who is, uh, who is Akiva making the show for? Is it, is it as, as we've said? I would have to agree with Mary Beth, just because I, I, you know, everything that was going on, like she said, I mean, was it was all over the internet with regards to that. But to be fair, I mean, it's a business and everything, and it's you know they're trying to appeal, but they they don't have to. They don't have to do what they did with this because they can do whatever they want. It's it is a business, but after everything that's happened with, for example, I mean, I mean, and it's I was going to say the Star Trek movies, but that's that's going in a different place. I mean, I'm I'm personally not a fan of those, and we can talk about that another time. But in regards to the, you know, disco and what the way it started out, I mean, the first half of that, I was not fan of and we were up in Ticonderoga watching those first two episodes because they were broadcasting for free and it was a way to get fans you know in and you know it was like Star Trek was coming back and everything and then it just kind of went in the direction it went in and then the second half of the first season I kind of started to appreciate and then the second season of course had Anson and you know and um, you know did everything that brought us to what we have now at Strange New Worlds so if they really didn't care, I don't think they would have actually gone to do what they did. So I'm going to say definitely it's more for us to 
bring us in to support it and to hopefully capture our viewership and knowing that it's a science fiction series there are going it is star trek and there's going to be other people that are going to tune in just because they're curious but this was it was to get our attention and to say you know there is you know like mary beth said we're listening to you we're hearing it very good very good we're going to start wrapping up our discussion of star trek strange new worlds paul levinson michael rizzo mary beth rakowski Roy Belquist and Colleen Bement. This has been a wonderful discussion. You've all been very well behaved. <laughs> no one's arguing. This is definitely uh, not like one of those. Uh, what, what are those? What are they? What are those things called, Paul? That you you you've done those MSNBC shows or those Fox News shows where you're like one of the heads, talking heads in the boxes. And how 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 is this? Uh, how is this uh, measured up to that sort of situation? Well, Does everyone yeah, I'll behave I'll themselves tell you what here? I think. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what I think. I like a disco. I like a boogie on the disco. <laughs> Getting late, folks. Getting late. <laughs> that's, that's my last word. On um, let's let's uh, let's. <laughs> that was great. Let's start to wrap things up here. Final thoughts. So um, I'm going to give my final thoughts, and uh, you guys uh, start to gather your thoughts. I'll give you a heads up. I'm going to go to Colleen first once I'm done talking, uh, and then I'm going to surprise everybody else, um, go in some random order. So my final thoughts on Star Trek uh, Strange New Worlds is it's the Star Trek I've been waiting for for many, many years. It's the closest thing I've encountered so far that meets up with me watching Star Trek reruns in the 1970s with the UHF antenna and a black and white TV. Okay, so it's, it's getting to that point where I'm feeling it. I love the visual cues. I love the fact that the opening credits reminds me of the Bantam Star Trek series books. There seems to be so many visual nods here and there. I love that. Um, I, um, strangely enough, uh, have not fallen in love with the actual Enterprise. I think because it's a CG sort of thing, I have I feel disconnected from it a little bit. Whereas I love Star Trek the Motion Picture Enterprise because it was a real model. I love the original series Enterprise because it was a real model. And even even though it was kind of hard, uh, you know, it wasn't as clear. Um, Star Trek the Next Generation, the Enterprise D was a real model. Um, so those uh, ships seem to have a little more gravitas towards me when I look at it. I get that that I want to be there feeling in my gut. You know, I want to go there, what, what, what Liz Lemon says. Um, but um, I'm not feeling that with, with this Enterprise because it's CG. I, I love, I mean... I, I just I just watched the episode where the where the Enterprise is like using a black hole to escape the Gorn, you know, and and it's an amazing sequence of effects, and I and I love the sets and I love everything. I just don't have that feeling I get like just just back from the seventies, and I think that's just because I'm I'm an old man now. So it's getting there though. It's but it's it's slow, uh, but it's 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 a really really good show. I love the characters. I love the Spock and T'Pring relationship, and uh, I want to see where it goes. I, I think I love all the actors, um, but Mary Beth is still the best Helms person. <laughs> uh, you know, and always will be. Colleen, final words. 
think All Colleen right. wandered off. Oh, she's there. Okay. <laughs> no, Colleen left because uh, uh, the husband's home. So the, my final words. Tell him, he, <laughs> tell him you're busy. You're talking to Captain <laughs> Phil. Know, right? that's, a, that's a good reason no. to leave. You're drafted. <laughs> I just had to shut the door. So my final words are what I love. I'm just going to echo on what I said earlier. What I love the most about Strange New Worlds is that it makes me feel comfortable. It makes me feel like I'm back at home with the original series, which is what I grew up with. And the reason I asked that question that I asked about, who do you think that the showrunners are going after? I mean, I really feel like they are going after us, um, the original series fans and the original Trek fans, because um, it, it just brings me back to the joy and the love that I had when I was a kid. And it was my first show. So it is what I fell in love with. And I feel like I just sit down and I turn it on and I feel like I'm home. I feel like I'm back home and it's what I love. And it's the best, it's the best version of Trek in my opinion that I have seen in many, many years. And I'm enjoying I'm enjoying every minute of it. Awesome. Uh, so randomly, let's go to Roy. I'm enjoying it. I'm looking forward to what's coming down the pike. I just hope that they, if they're going to continue to keep it online with the original series, that they don't mess with canon. I mean, granted, you know, there's different things that they can do and everything, but there's stuff that has already been established and they're taking so much care with everything that they've done with gearing it towards the original series. It's just that there's so many there's so many outlets that they can go with. It's just don't don't disrupt the timeline. It's as simple as that. You know, it's like follow follow their own rules in regards to that. And I'm looking forward to seeing what what stories they're going to come up with and what, what it's going to lead to. And, you know, they can create other things that, you know, haven't been discussed prior because, I mean, this is, this is taking place before the adventures from the original series. So there's things that may not have been mentioned in the original series and that's okay. But if they are going to have references to things that already occurred, just, just show it the respect that's needed. And, you know, kind of like what Colleen was just saying, I mean, it's it's fun to look forward to something that we enjoy. And I think that as long as they stay on course with everything, I think, I mean, it's it's going to be a it's going to be a fun ride. So very, very positive, very optimistic. You know, is it ever going to be the original series? No. And, you know, there's a lot of comparisons with that. And I think that, you know, for anybody out there, if, if you like a you know classic star trek and you know you feel like you know you're you don't want to like like this new show because it's it's something new that's that's unheard of i mean you know everybody's entitled to enjoy what they like and it's not like blasphemous so i think that just keep that in mind and just you know give it a chance but it's you know i i definitely uh, i'm very positive about it Awesome. Michael Rizzo, your final thoughts on Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I am, uh, I, 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 overall, I enjoyed it. 
Um, I think there's some places, as I said, that they missed the mark. Um, like Roy kind of said, screwing around with established canon, um, I think didn't need to happen. I just, you know, my, that's my that's my take on it. Uh, I like Pike, so I'm I'm optimistically hopeful to see what we're going to see in season two. You know, we didn't even talk about Carol Kane filling in for the engineering position. Uh, very bold choice. Uh, don't know how that's going to work out. Can't really see her in Star Trek, but we'll see how that goes. I don't, I'll reserve any kind of judgment on that until I see it. Um, you know, my, my thing with CBS is, or Paramount is, I think what they need to do is look to what Favreau is doing with Star Wars on Disney, um, because I think they are kicking Star Trek's butt with their shows. Um, and the reason I say that is, and I've said this before on our show, when you watch The Mandalorian, you watch The Book of Boba Fett, you watch Andor, you know you're watching a Star Wars show. They they nailed the feel of Star Wars. No matter where they're, what planet they're on, it could be a planet we've never seen before. The other thing is when they're on Moss Eisley, it looks like Moss Eisley from 1977. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They didn't go and change it. And I think that's very important. They didn't change it. They kept the feel, which I don't think CBS is doing. They've completely rebuilt it. And I don't think so that they could modernize. I don't want to see 1967 Trek, but I, I would like to see some kind of a natural, uh, kind of like what they did in TNG. Whenever they went back to, to TOS era, they, they, they copied it. Exactly. You know, there wasn't, they didn't change it. That was exactly like it was on the show. So, you know, I, that's what I'd like to see. But overall, I think it's good compared to what other stuff is, with the exception of Lower Decks, which is just phenomenal. Um, that's another whole, that's another whole show. <laughs> uh, I would say it's the best thing they've put out so far. I'm enjoying Lower Decks too. I agree. And if it, and Mary Beth talked me off the ledge on that because I wanted to not like it and Mary Beth said oh just give it a chance and all right so I had to listen to her because you just have to that those are the rules speaking of Mary Beth Mary Beth final words so <laughs> besides final besides thought. everybody watch lower decks <laughs> everybody watch lower decks you have to know Trek to it you have to know Trek inside out and backwards it's made to appreciate. for the fans it's, it's made, made for the fans. fans um my final thought on strange new worlds is I was kind of wondering because Colleen and Paul are not alone in their effusive love for the show there's millions of fans out there who adore this show and i was wondering like well rizzo and roy and i being like overly sensitive to like and it occurred to me that rizzo and roy and i have had the extraordinarily rare and unique privilege of walking through the enterprise alone when it's quiet and there's only ship sounds and the lights and you're it's just you on the ship and there's a certain reverence it's a religious experience it's a religious experience um i have been alone on the bridge just standing there looking at the view screen looking around at the lights at the seats and thinking about the people that sat in them and it's extraordinarily uh you like i said it's a unique privilege and there's something about that after you've had that experience you don't like them messing <laughs> your show that much and i'm saying that because my first love if i'm going to take paul's theory my first exposure was next gen i'm a next gen girl that's my first love but i've been to the set tour 
And I, there's something, I don't want to use the word sacred, but there's just something no, about it that you don't mess with it. It's sacred to you and to a, a heck of a lot of other people. No, they'd never, never deny so that, that, that maybe the important. reason why we're like, hey, don't be changing the corn and don't be doing things. You know, that may be it. Maybe not. I don't know. But but everyone come to the set tour and have that experience. <laughs> that was uh, remarkably uh, touching. And I'm so glad uh, we included that in tonight's discussion. I, I like that a lot. And uh, that is a unique experience. I've been to the set tours. Um, and I have not had that experience because I was there with a with a with a tour. Although the people who were touring with me, the people who who ran the tour, were incredibly generous with me, and I will forever be grateful to that. Uh, but yeah, Ticonderoga, New York, you'll want to try it out. Um, uh, last word going to uh, the professional science fiction writer um, Paul Levinson. Uh, final words on Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. Well, a couple of things. First of all, I agree uh, with Michael's point about the new Star Wars uh, series. And actually, I thought the Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, series was, was a masterpiece for the same reasons that Michael was saying for the other series, which I also thought were, were really superb. But the reason why I love Strange New World so much is for the same reason why, after all is said and done, Star Trek The Next Generation didn't quite do it for me. And the reason that that was the case was that there were so few references to Star Trek, the original series. Obviously, uh, Next Generation took place somewhat in the future, but you could almost watch uh, next generation and and not know much of anything of some of these major things that happened in the original series and you know i missed that when i was watching it and i've always wanted to see more of the original series the movies did deliberately try to make that connection in fact there was one movie where you know kirk and picard are in the same movie right they're in that sort of you know, crazy little bubble of a world. Uh, and But that was like a little overdone and it was like so out of context, it was hard to really appreciate that. So I think that is the foundation of why I love Strange New Worlds. Uh, you know, as, as, as Phil, you said, and Colleen said, uh, it, it's the first time I've ever been brought back to how I felt when I was watching Toss. And I, and I believe those characters. And every time I see Pike, I can't help thinking of that wonderful episode, you know, which, which winds up both tragically but beautifully with, with uh, Pike totally disfigured on that planet. And, and obviously it's just such a pleasure to see a younger Spock after a while, it got boring to see the much older Spock, you know, in the movies and so on. You know, how many times can you replay the same old, you know, situation, the same old story? In contrast, Strange New Worlds gives us this vibrant young character. I, I think Ethan Peck does it really wonderfully. So count me someone who's thrilled 
that Paramount Plus did this uh, series. I hope it continues for many seasons. I'm sure it's going to make some mistakes. I'm not such uh, a person who insists on everything being so totally accurate in terms of how does it measure up to this or that, you know, in the in the overall franchise. But I understand that that is an important thing. And and again, uh, you know, just to, to repeat myself, I, I think that when you're dealing with two different series that take place in two different times, things can happen in those times which could explain differences between the earlier versions of these characters and the later versions of these characters. Paul, um, as we close, and thank you so much, uh, everyone, for coming on. Give us all uh, the places on the internet where we can find your work and what you do and, and of course, uh, this this new... Uh, hopeful radio series and maybe a Netflix series where fingers crossed um, about the parallel uh, Pete Fornatel uh, story. Well, as I said, I'm very excited about this. It started as a short story. I mean, it's like a classic pandemic, you know, story, meaning I wrote it during the lockdown and I probably wouldn't have written it if it hadn't been. I'd started working on it a few years earlier, but it really didn't develop uh, until uh, I finally, you know, wrote what it is now back in January 2022. The short story got a wonderful response. I've now expanded it into a novel and uh, someone is now trying to decide should it be made into a movie or a limited a television series apropos our whole discussion here i'm pushing for a television series because i think they tend to have much more longevity and totally separate from that right now at this very moment there's a radio play in production and i'll i'll give you this tease it's going to have some live new performances of some Beatle numbers. So uh, not, of course, by the Beatles themselves, but by people who sound, you know, somewhat like them. So that's what I'm doing right now. Anyone who's interested in my books, just search on my name on Amazon. You'll find a whole load of my novels and short stories. If you're interested in my music, do the same on Spotify. You'll find my two albums, Twice Upon a Rhyme from 1972, Welcome Up, Songs of Space and Time from 2020. I'm sort of like the whole Star Trek evolution, right? One album is in 1972, the other is in 2020. So, uh, and thanks a lot for this great conversation. I really enjoyed it immensely. Yes, a pleasure. And and uh, and and Paul, uh, we're gonna, of course, we're gonna give everybody a copy of this afterwards. But Paul, you're gonna throw this into your um um your what 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 is it when i send you something you 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 take it and you put it out into the world that's right i i i basically cut out anyone who disagrees with me no i'm only kidding i i have a podcast called light on light through it's usually my reviews of various television series occasional political uh commentary interviews with people but every time i do a show with captain phil i take that show and put it uh on light on light through so i'll send everyone the link to it uh as soon as phil sends me the uh the mp3 for this i'll put it up on the podcast and there it will live forever forever 
<laughs> You'll never get rid of it. Roy, uh, Roy's Tie-Dye Sci-Fi Corner. Tell us all about that and what's coming up for you. Uh, Roy's Tie-Dye Sci-Fi Corner uh, is actually, we're into our third year. Started April of 2020. And uh, you can watch us now on Facebook. It's on Friday nights, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. And occasionally on Sundays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Usually once a month I'm doing those. Um, and like I said, I broadcast on Facebook. Just in the last two weeks, I started to broadcast on YouTube as well as Twitter. So if you, you know, do a search on it, you can find the show listed there. Uh, we just did the 1973 film, um, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Uh, discussing that that was the one with kim darby which is a cult classic ironically enough that came out around october 10th of 73 starring so miri celebrate <laughs> yes yeah there's a lot of actors and actresses and even the director of that movie john newland who captain phil you you, you did the first episode when we talked about alcoa presents yes. <laughs> one step beyond that was his show and uh he directed that he directed classic Star Trek sure, uh, series, Aaron to Mercy, the introduction to the Klingons. And then of course you had Kim Darby and then you also had Barbara Anderson that were in that um, movie as well too. And Felix Silva, Silva rather, yep, he was yep. uh, in the cage. He's one of the Colossians and he's actually one of the, uh, we'll say one of the gnomes in this film. So uh, that's that's the latest. Yeah, he, uh, he very memorable part. He, uh, he was the best gnome. Uh, uh, I've never known a, no a better gnome. <laughs> <laughs> God, <laughs> Michael Rizzo, tell us all about the sci-fi distilled, the distillery, and, and what you do. Well, we uh, we cover uh, sci-fi from the '80s, '90s to current, all the way up to the current stuff. Uh, we tend to not do really current stuff, although we have on occasion. We just we did cover Strange New Worlds. We tend to like to do things that are complete. Um, but we are on seven o'clock on Facebook Eastern Time. On Wednesdays, uh, so you can catch us this week. We're coming up. We're going to do the Highlander. We're going to have a kind of a panel to discussion, and there'll be only one when we're done. Uh, <laughs> so that's that's the basis of our show. Uh, you know, we, we cover all kinds of topics, like I said, from television to film um, from all over that era. And Mary Beth, tell us all about the Star Trek tour, StarTrekTour.com. And tell everyone what a great Helms, Helms person you are for the Starship Enterprise. <laughs> Yeah, once upon a time in a galaxy far, far away, I did get to fly the ship in a fan film. <laughs> you can find that, I guess, if you search hard enough on, on YouTube. No, the Star Trek set tour is really excited to be hosting none other than William Shatner coming up here November 18 and 19. Tickets for that and for all of our exciting events are available at StarTrekTour.com. Uh, you can add us on Twitter, or you can just check out our website. You can find us on Facebook. We're, we're everywhere you want to be. And finally, Colleen, tell us about Nerd Alert News and the cool stuff that is going on in your hometown, Denver, Colorado. <laughs> so Nerd Alert News can be found at nerdalertnews.net. And yes, of course, we are everywhere, too. We're on TikTok and Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, you name it. But we're a blog, so we're the old-fashioned written word. Um, and what we do is just pop culture, sci-fi, gaming. I have writers from all around the world that contribute. 
their articles. So it isn't just me. Um, that's what makes it so interesting is I've got so many different points of views from uh, different different artists from around the world. Uh, and uh, what we really enjoy is uh, one of the main things that we do is uh, interview celebrities. And I have interviewed William Shatner, and that was quite an experience because I was super intimidated and I'd heard horror stories about what he's like in an interview. <laughs> and he was actually, thank God, he was very kind and wonderful. So you can also see his interview on my site as well as um, a bunch of different celebrity interviews uh, from TV, movies, and comic artists, you name it. So again, go to nerdalertnews.net and it's the old fashioned way of doing it. You're going to have to actually read. <laughs> and thanks again, Captain Phil, for having us on. And thanks for being patient. We were originally going to do this in August, and uh, you know, things, you know, the new schedule for WUSB got uh, released, and things changed up a little bit here and there. Uh, but we made it work, and I'm glad we did. I, I absolutely enjoyed this immensely, and uh, we spent the better half of two hours talking about Star Trek. Thank you so much, guys. It's 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 been incredible, and uh, I'll see you. Um, I'll see you on Earth Prime. <laughs> <laughs> Take Thanks, care, everybody. Thank Great you. Discussion. Live long and prosper. Night, everybody. The light on light through podcast. Well, I hope you enjoyed that roundtable discussion of Star Trek, Strange New Worlds. By the way, I should mention that Captain Phil is a disc jockey on WUSB radio, and that's where the conversation that you just heard took place. I'll, of course, be reviewing episodes of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, as well as Picard and lots of other Star Trek things in the months and years ahead, right here on this podcast. And before then, lots of other good science fiction, mystery on television. All kinds of good things are popping these days. So stay tuned for reviews. There'll be other interviews, all kinds of developments in this podcast. In the meantime, stay safe, stay sound, and keep doing whatever you can to help those brave people of Ukraine fight off what that demented Russian leader Putin is trying to do to Ukraine and to the world. The Light on Light Through Podcast. Athens, 2042 AD. She ripped the paper in half, then ripped the halves, then ripped what was left again into bits and pieces of history that could have been. Sierra Waters had read once that, years ago, it was thought that men made love for the thrill, while women made love for the sense of connection it gave them. Curled up with a good book says, Sierra Waters is sexy as hell. 
You can find out more about the plot to save Socrates by Paul Levinson at theplottosavesocrates.com. about an ancient biotech war raging on in secret for centuries.